Cast off the shackles of yesterday, shoulder to shoulder into the fray. Our daughters' daughters will adore us, and they'll sing in grateful chorus. Well done, Sister Suffragette. We did not sing in a chorus. <laughs> I don't know what the harmony is I'm for sorry. That. I, no, you're okay. You kept me on key. I wasn't going to exactly get it either. <laughs> Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where we adore men individually, but as a group, we agree they're rather stupid. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week, we are talking about HBO's 2004 TV drama period piece, Iron Jawed Angels. Iron Jawed Angels! I'm so excited. Uh, guys, want to mention, first of all, that there's a new sheriff in town. Rossi Boy is taking over the social medias, so when you see my stuff out and about, it's me. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at KickNStream, K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can also follow us at that user on Facebook as well. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. I know you're still If upset. you can tolerate getting on Facebook, <laughs> find us there. You can find show updates. You can leave us comments. Tell us what you like or don't like about the show, and you can use it to share the show with others. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not with an ampersand. That is correct. <laughs> okay, you want to get started? Yes. You asked me to explain myself. It should be very clear. You want to be two girls on a corner soapbox, or do you want to go to Washington and play with the big lads? Paul and who? Paul. Alice Paul. She thinks Congress is going to suddenly roll over and give women the vote. I thought you said she was bright. If I send you to Washington, I want your assurance that there will be no hooligan tactics. You have it. The new suffragist is single, young, independent, Educated. and very beautiful. <gasps> She's you. On a horse. A cowgirl. A warrior. You underestimate your heart. Damn on you all! People saw you. It has nothing to do with you. Emily, I'm a Democratic senator. You're my wife. It's got everything to do with me. We can't pick it a wartime president. The war changes everything. If we push Wilson now, there's going to be consequences for everyone. We ask justice. We ask equality. Guaranteed. Forever. Forever. If you do anything to hurt that girl, what is there to explain? When did you first see this movie? So I was in high school, right? Mm -hmm. I was probably like 15, 16. I was in a class called Topics in History. We did this whole unit over, you know, women's suffrage. And as a 
film presentation of the whole ordeal, uh, Jenny decided she'd show us Iron Jawed Angels. I think that it really impressed upon us the gravity of what actually happened there. Yeah. Because it had always been told to me up until that point in my schooling that, you know, yeah, women didn't used to be able to vote, but they can now and everything's all right now. Thank you very much. And I'm just like, this is not... My thoughts exactly. We're not a post-sexist nation, but we were always taught that we were... We have our privilege, you and I, so we're only able to, you know, reflect on certain things that way. But you can never believe that it's that bad. Yeah. And how far we have come, mm-hmm. it's mind-boggling to think about. Do some research. You'll love it. Speaking of research, <laughs> you and I are going to have to try and keep each other honest here. Yes. And not tangent about every little thing. But there's so much to talk about. We I need know. a second podcast. There's... <laughs> There's so much to unpack here, Ugh. but we're going to try and, and and keep it under three hours, please. We're going to start with a little front ending, historically, and we're going to talk about the actresses mm-hmm. who are our angels. We've got some great cast members, guys. This group that they're portraying, they're called the Silent Sentinels, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be lovingly referring to them as our angels. <laughs> history butt in? Uh-huh. Okay. Is that going to be the hand raise? Yes. Like, excuse me, history? History butt in. I just want to clarify here. Silent Sentinels were produced out of Alice Paul's National Women's Party, uh, which was a sect of the women's rights movement in this country that was separated, schismed, if you will, from the uh, National Association for Women's Suffrage. Yes. Which was at the time. National Women's Suffrage Association. NASA. National Women's Suffrage Association. Mm-hmm. Okay. NASA. NASA. Yeah, we're going to call them NASA. NASA. All right. NASA and the NWP were very different groups mm-hmm. because NASA was trying to get things done by towing the political line and being conservative in their talks with lawmakers. Poison, pomp, and circumstance wins the day. <laughs> No, it doesn't. No. No, it doesn't. They come from a very, they come from an older school of thought when it comes to suffrage. Mm -hmm. Because the suffrage movement had already been in full swing for what, 60 years? 70. Yeah. So, and you know, we're working off of generations of work here at this Mm -hmm. point. And the National Women's Party, which was headed up by Alice Paul, played by... Hillary Swanky. I love Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank at this time was a two-time Academy Award winner. Yeah. In 2004, guys. And the, and the Silent Sentinels, the National Women's Party, they were far more in your face with visible tactics mm-hmm. that made headlines. Their form of protest was far more visible than it, NASA's. Yes, they believed in silent protest. They stood outside of Woodrow Wilson's gates every day in January, all the way up until he supported an amendment that would give women the right to vote. Mm-hmm. So this, these are some very important people we're talking about today. Carrie Chapman Cat, who is the right hand of the National Women's Suffrage Association, at least in the beginning. She's a big deal. She's played by Angelica Houston, Mm. who is so grand in period pieces. Like they're really where she shines the best. We know her from The Witches. Yes, that is that is an Angelica Houston favorite that we like. I personally think she gives an astounding performance in Daddy Daycare. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Where she has the bit role as the headmistress. In Daddy Daycare. Angelica, why? I don't know. Tangenting. Who else have we got? Frances O'Connor, who plays Frances O'Connor. <laughs> is that is that your take on her whole no, acting career? Frances O'Connor plays Lucy Burns, who is um, basically Alice Paul's girlfriend. <laughs> That's your take on it? She was her right hand. 
But Alice and Lucy were close. Yes, they, they were, were friends. They were very, very close friends. They lived together for a very long time. All I'm saying is we have to start reexamining the people who were, quote, just friends in <laughs> history. In history, you know what I mean? We have Julia Ormond of Mad Men fame. Oh, yes. She is Marie Calvé in Mad Men. Ross, you just put that puzzle together for me. I Good. was like, I have no idea where I've seen her before. She's also played Jackie Kennedy. You can probably tell she's the way she looks. She's playing Inez Milholland. Inez Milholland. Mm-hmm. Inez Milholland. Who is a wonderful figure in the women's rights movement. Worked, literally killed her. Oh my God. She literally died for this movement. Other notables, we have Molly Parker of House of Cards fame. She's Jackie Sharp in House of Cards. She plays a senator's wife, Emily Layton, uh, who is fictional. Yeah, she's one of the only fictional characters. Um, we have Vera Farmiga. Oh, I love Vera from, Farmiga. You know from things like Bates Motel and- She uh, was an Orphan. Orphan. Oh, yes. that movie was messed up. She's, we have her as Rusha Van Kluska. She was a labor rights activist. Mm-hmm. She was very instrumental. and She became a- factory inspector and an immigrant yes she was polish mm-hmm. and then hold on powering through powering through powering through patrick dempsey i'm gonna have a lot to say <laughs> i'm gonna minimize how much we talk about that good because he's thank you okay he stops so- plot cold every time he shows up every time i see his face i'm gonna squeeze it i'm gonna tear it off the screen because you are not material to this plot sir patrick dempsey's back very soon yes and i hate him <laughs> He's really good at playing, like... The problematic jerk? The problematic nice guy. Mm, you know what I mean? I guess. And then also, we've got Brooke Smith of Silence of the Lambs fame, <laughs> who is playing Mabel Vernon. I love Mabel. Mabel's my fave. She plays Catherine Martin, the girl who gets kidnapped in, in Silence, Silence of the, of the Lambs. Lambs. Yep. You might also know her from her Law & Order appearances. I love those episodes! <laughs> those are great episodes! And then finally, I'd like to mention Bob Gunton, who plays <laughs> President Woodrow Wilson. He's famous because he originated the role of Colonel Juan Perón in Evita. Really? Yes, he did. I did not note that. He also, I think, has portrayed FDR a couple of times. That checks out. <laughs> yes. All right, I'm done talking about this cast. Picture it! Philadelphia, 1912. We're in the chambers of, what's her name? Carrie Chapman Cat. You got it right. Anyway. I'm probably just going to call her Carrie Cat. Yeah. In order to avoid the tongue twister I seem to be having trouble with. Angelica Houston and yes. Margot Martindale as Harriet Blatch. And they're having a conversation about their meeting today with one Alice Paul. Mm-hmm. She wants to lobby for a constitutional amendment. Oh, she thinks Congress is going to suddenly roll over. I thought you said she was bright. Paula who? Paul. Alice Paul. She worked in England. Don't bring me any radicals, Harriet. She's not a radical. She's a Quaker. (laughs) She's not a radical. No. She's a Quaker. But she's been in... She and her friend Lucy, Lucy Burns, have been in England. And guys, the difference between American suffrage and British suffrage... Very different. Very, very different. The British, there was a woman named Emmeline Pankhurst who, if you've seen the movie Suffragette, which was all right, that woman, Emmeline Pankhurst, basically said, fuck it. All women, civil disobedience. <laughs> Let's you will, revolt. You will throw bricks. You will commit vandalism. You will punch cops. Oh, my God. Like, 
She said, fuck it. We're burning this shit down. I love that energy. Until they give us the right to vote. No, guys, remember in Mary Poppins when the mom comes home and she's singing about suffrage? And she's like, Emmeline Pankhurst. Mrs. Pankhurst is clapped in irons again. She's associating with Emmeline Pankhurst. I know. You know what that means, (laughs) y'all? Mrs. Banks was like out at night, (laughs) fucking shit up, punching cops, breaking storefront windows with bricks. And like Carrie Chapman Cat and... Anna Howard Shaw, who lead the National Women's Suffrage Association, they don't like the affiliation that Alice Paul has with the British suffragettes. Because the British suffragettes had brutish tactics and did not follow decorum to their satisfaction. I mean, Reverend Shaw said, we don't throw bricks to get our point across. Exactly. Cut to Alice Paul, Hillary Swank, Swanky. walking down the street like she owns it, wearing a hat that looks like a fruitcake. I know. Does that that hat that hat it's is so horrible. ugly? But it's awful. you know what? There's always another hat in the window. Yep. She and her friend Lucy, Lucy Burns. Uh-huh. She's the typical fiery, feisty redhead. Yes. And we love Lucy. They have a very <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's funny. I apologize. They have a very close, efficient friendship. Mm -hmm. They empower one another. Like, they're stronger with each other. And I'm picking up some, you know, subtext there. There's a, like, it's not evident, but, like, it's the anciest bit. Like, it's just the way their relationship is. You can just tell. But there are historians who say there's no evidence to suggest that Alice Paul ever had a relationship with anybody, male or female. So, but we'll come back to that. Lucy sees a hat in the window. They both see this hat in the window, this pink hat, and they both want it. (laughs) And guys, if you watch the movie, watch out for the coin toss thing, because it happens like several times. This is the first time we're getting the coin toss. And it's, I think it's supposed to symbolize how men and women, different sides of the same coin, Mm -hmm. or what it was supposed to be. Catch ya. Phone me if I'm wrong. (laughs) But Hit us up. Yeah. And so they flip for the hat, and guess who gets it? Lucy. Lucy. (laughs) It looks good on both of them. It looks better on Lucy. I agree with you, actually. Yeah, I think it looked better. I think, because like early, later she's like, it, it's it's the color with your hair. It just doesn't <laughs> look right. Because she's mad she won. She's mad she got the hat. She, and she keeps pulling out every criticism she has of the hat, so she'll give it to her. I love them. So like early, as early as 1912, Alice Paul and Lucy Burns are like, okay, National Women's Suffrage Association, congressional amendment. Let's do it. Yeah, because the NASA group, they're trying to get women votes on a state-by-state basis. Which has been taking years. Oh, my God. It sounds like climbing uphill, like up a snowy hill. Carrie Katz, very proud of the state-by-state campaign. Congratulations. On what? 64 years of begging, and now women can vote in nine states. How many years per state is that? You congratulate her. We waltz in there and say, do the math. We won't get the letterhead or the office. Do you want to be two girls on a corner soapbox, or do you want to go to Washington and play with the big lads? Paul is like, hey, congressional amendment now. Now, now, now. Please let us organize it. They want to be on the committee. Mm -hmm. And again, Carrie and Anna have a real problem with the fact that they're associated with the UK suffrage. Yeah. And the only way they're going to allow them to get in on the NASA action is if they promise there's going to be no brick throwing, nobody's going to be behaving crudely, everybody's Mm going to behave themselves. Lucy says something to the effect of, it's what Susan B. Anthony would have (laughs) wanted. Oh, and they're offended. Carrie Cat goes, <laughs> she goes, Dr. Shaw and I worked side by side with Susan and Elizabeth Stanton while you were still in diapers, Miss Paul. 
Would you do me a favor and please refrain from second guessing her thoughts on this topic? And then it cuts to them on the train later. <laughs> and Lucy's going. Do me a favor, don't second guess Susan's thoughts on cheese. We work side by side. With Susan, we work cheek to cheek. With Susan, she despised cheddar and she loathed Munster. <laughs> They're so offended that these young activists are coming in here and telling them what's what. Yeah. Alice's big idea for NASA is that they hold a parade on the day that President Wilson, the president-elect Woodrow Wilson, mm-hmm. is supposed to arrive in Washington to be inaugurated. Yes. They're going to have a big parade on that day. They're going to really raise support and awareness of women's suffrage. It's going to be a good thing, but only if they behave themselves. Now we're getting a transitional sequence where we're getting all of these overlapping voices of the rhetoric of male lawmakers at the time. The female mind is inferior. That the female mind is inferior to the male mind need not be assumed. There is something about there is something about it essentially different. And that this difference is of a kind and degree that with votes for women would constitute a political danger ought to be placed in the look on your face right now. I I, again, I said at the top, you can't believe it was ever this bad. Yeah, I know. In a lot of different situations. I do not wish to see the women of my state trail their skirts into the muck and mire of dirty politics. These flippin' girls, (laughs) they call them. These flippin' girls invite disaster with this reckless movement. Now we have to find a place to fundraise. This office is a tip. Oh, it is? <laughs> when, they're go- when they go to Washington, you know, they go to this office and it is a rundown. Oh, yeah. It, it is, is a run rundown. Fixer upper. Lucy just goes. How do you raise money to raise money? I love it. Because <laughs> they are starting from nothing. And literally next you see them hauling junk through the street. Oh, yeah. They have to go into the depths of society to just to find things to start thinking about raising money. Chairs, tables. Working typewriters, you know? (laughs) Yeah, with ribbon in them. (laughs) Now we're in a factory, another industry frequented by hardworking women forced into low wages and maltreatment to survive. Lucy and Alice have obviously gone to, you know, push votes for women. Yeah, they're standing outside the factory, Lucy's standing on a box, talking about the cause. This is where we get Ruja. Yes, Vera Famiga. She was the labor organizer and the factory inspector we talked about at the top. Mm -hmm. She's a Polish-American, and she is not here for this. She's mad. She's like, listen, ladies, my children don't eat ballots. We take Sunday off to la-di-da for you. We get fired on Monday. Your children, missus, they don't eat ballots. Go ahead, shut your head off. The ruling class are those who have a voice, and that voice is a vote. No one hears you. Alice interrupts to point out that a vote is worth power. Just the look in all of these women's eyes. They're overworked. They're making nothing. They're dirty. They're They're, trying to survive. Their kids are stuck somewhere else, you know? You know, they might not be able to take care of their own kids. They might have to send money away so someone else can take care of their kids. Ruja's saying nay-nay. Oh, no, yeah. Alice brings up the Triangle Factory fire. A group full of working women in this factory were locked in by their managers every day so that they couldn't leave and a fire started in the building and they all burned to death oh that's horrible because they couldn't get out and there was no fire escape on the building and that's why alice keeps going you know you know a vote is a fire escape finally rouge is like all right all right i get it get me a flyer and she starts handing flyers out she's like a vote is a fire escape (laughs) i love her yeah this is vinslovsk alice paul Don't give me the rest, college girl. 
feel about the choice to give this movie a modern soundtrack? Kind of like I love it. Gatsby. I love it. I think a lot of the tunes that are used are very open. They're very evocative. Yes. Very liberating tunes. Ooh. And I think that's what adds to the feel of this movie. All right. Yeah, I see it. Is the, you know, it's the feeling like you can breathe. Ooh, very nice. Do you know what I mean? Sort of. Mm Mm-hmm. We're back at headquarters. This is where we meet another angel, Mabel Vernon. Yes. That's Brooke Smith. Hi, Mabel Vernon. I played uh, hockey with Alice at Swarthmore. Lucy Burns. Okay, we have to talk about Ida Wells Barnett. So, like, yeah, they're getting shit together. Ida Wells, this did not happen, first of all. Let's preface this by saying this was not a factual event, but... This is a fictionalization in order to bring attention to a very important point about early suffrage. So, if you know anything about America, you know that non-white people have never been a part of the conversation. Ida Wells Barnett, she was one of the founders of the NAACP. Yes, And she was an activist and a journalist who basically documented the history of lynching in this country Uh and other horrible violence against people of color. I like that she's here to call our girls out on some bullshit. Like, they literally, they're getting shit ready for the parade. And then you just hear, and like, you know, you turn around and I went, I wrote down, oh shit, Ida Wells Barnett's here to tell you that this is a racist issue. Yes! And I'm like, hell yeah. I'm told you expect Negro women to march in a separate unit at the back. Southern suffrage groups threaten to withdraw. Are the ladies afraid we'll march out of step? Call their bluff. We can't afford to lose their support, not with the Democrats in office. Who's we? Women? Or just white women? Now, wait a minute. White suffragists don't want to piss off the then-racist Democrats... Who were in power. Who were in power. Who had just come to power. By involving black suffragists in their demonstrations. Because, yeah, um, Woodrow Wilson ran from New Jersey, but he was from Virginia. Oh, yeah. And Georgia, respectively. Add another issue. If we don't stand up now, what happens to Negro women when you finally get the vote? They'll keep us out of the polling place any way they can. Other colored groups have agreed to the compromise. Not perfect, but we gotta be practical. Dress up prejudice and call it politics? I expected more from a Quaker. What's important to know here is that the history of feminism in this country has always been white-centric, with brave activists refusing to go the extra mile for suffragists of color. We did it again during the gay rights movement, which was started by trans women of color, and then those people were ignored for the rest of the movement. Yeah. And we have got to do better. And Ida Wells Barnett's, you know, characterization in this movie, I think, is to just acknowledge that This is part of the story. Ida declares she'll march with her peers or not at all. We're not going to dress up prejudice and call it politics, is what she says. I love that. We're meeting another angel in the street, Doris Stevens. Yes. Laura Frazier. Yes. She's so cute. Women start walking by and she's got leaflets and she's like, hi, hi, hi. And everyone's (laughs) not today. Not today. Thank you. Including... Emily Layton. Yes, who is the fictional wife of the fictional senator from New Jersey, Thomas Layton. How are you, ma'am? I'm Doris Stevens, National Women Suffrage Association. We're short on volunteers today. If you have an hour to spare. I'm sorry, I can't. Or if you'd like to make a pledge. Another time, perhaps. Uh, no, I couldn't possibly do that. No, she's trying not to make eye contact. I'm a Democratic senator's wife. I couldn't possibly do that. <laughs> like, she's doing that. When you see those poor people at the kiosks in the mall, yeah. and you try not to make eye contact, but you feel bad about it. Exactly. Uh, I feel like that's what she's going through. Another time, perhaps. <laughs> When's that other time going to come? When am I ever going to see you again? 
I love the 1912 beauty routine montage. Oh my god, who would have thought that they burned matches, blew them out, and used it for their eyeliner? I mean, I did, but, you know. I would have never thought that. Or, you know, using rose petals to make lip liner and lipstick. Period pieces always make me angry because I need to know how these women are supposed to achieve these curly updos every yes. morning. Yes. What magic is this? <laughs> We're going to go dazzle some chauvinists for some donations because we need money. We're mincing at a cocktail party. Yes. All of the angels are educating the other party guests about the women's movement. Yes. This is when Emily Layton arrives with her husband, Discount Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> He does look like that. Thank you. I don't know who this actor is, and I don't care, but thank you. Can we refer to him as Senator Discount Kenneth Branagh for the rest of the recording? (laughs) Sure. Sure. She is, you know, a privileged housewife. Yeah. They were they were very wealthy. Lucy comes up to her and tries to chatter up about the parade. Yeah. And Emily is just like, I don't follow politics. I'm actually part of NASA's congressional committee, National American Women's Suffrage Association. We're giving a parade. Have you heard about our parade? I I really don't follow politics, Miss Burns. I haven't the head for it. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) I mean, I don't want to call it a trigger phrase, but you know what's a trigger phrase for me? (laughs) Like when somebody's like, I just don't follow the news. Oh. I just can't be bothered with politics, you know? And I'm you like, gotta be. This is honestly how the government gets away with things. Yeah. I mean, that's the long and short of it. All right, buddy. We have to talk about one of your least favorite things. And that would be Washington Post cartoonist Ben Wiseman. Who is another fictional character. Played by Patrick Dempsey. So apparently he's like buddy-buddy with Inez Holland. Yes. Let's talk about Inez Holland instead. Okay. Inez Holland becomes kind of a central figure once meeting Alice Paul. Um, she's already worked very extensively with the women's rights movement, with NASA. It was kind of like, you know, when two activists who don't know each other are activists meet each other and are like, oh, my God. Like meeting your mutuals on Twitter in real life. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, my God, Queen, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Follow back. Yeah. Labor law with a sexual bias will come back and bite us in the ass. See, the issue is an opportunity. It's protection. Women need protection. We all need protection. But when women complain, people call it hysteria, and then they rush to fetch the doctor. As long as women accept protective law, they can't expect equality. They need full citizenship. They go to eat, Lucy, Alice, Ben, and Inez. And they're in, they're in the diner, and Alice is talking about how, listen, the old way is the wrong way. We are the new guard. Yeah, she's like... like what the new suffragist is single, young, independent, educated. and very, very beautiful. <gasps> she's you. On a horse. A cowgirl? A warrior. A herald. Uh-uh. Joan of Arc with 10,000 women following her down Pennsylvania. And I knew a woman oh. who can lead us up the mountain. Mm-mm. Or off a cliff. No. no. And while they're talking, Patrick Dempsey, Ben, is furiously, like, scratching out this cartoon on the on the back of the menu, On the back I of think? the menu. Because Alice has got an image in her head. And she's talking about it. And she's talking about, and she and Lucy are talking about how Inez would make an amazing symbol. For this movement. Yeah. Like a woman, a warrior woman on a white horse. She had she had had a lot of exposure to younger suffragettes. Ben, who we find out is a Washington Post political cartoonist. Yeah. He's showing them the cartoon. And Inez is like, what's the name of that rag you work for? The Washington Post. Yeah. You remember, guys? The Washington Post. Yeah. Some of you still read it. <laughs> like, this is a big deal. Because not only is he sexy, 
He's got an audience. Yeah. And he is smitten with Alice. Starts asking her out to dinner and she is categorically resistant. Oh, yeah. I know you don't like Ben at all. But if you have to talk about how much you don't like Ben into the mic. Like, guys, he's got his face pressed against the wall. It's just his character's not necessary. (laughs) It's not. The writer wanted to throw this in there to give it this romantic element. And I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) All Alice wants is a moment with his editor. Yeah. Like, she just wants to get the message out there. And she's like, yeah, sure, like. Bring your editor and I'll go out with you. He's walking her home and once again, a woman has to explain to a man why it should be common sense that women get the right to vote. Yeah, he's like, when you get the vote, what are you going to do with it? And she's like, vote. (laughs) You ignoramus. Like, I don't care what women do with their vote, just as long as they have it. We're legitimate citizens. We're taxed without representation. We're not allowed to serve on juries, so we're not tried by our peers. It's unconscionable, not to mention unconstitutional. We don't make the laws, but we have to obey them like children. His stupid response to that is, were you the smartest girl in your class? <laughs> he thinks her activism is cute. Like, he, yeah, he may agree with what she believes. He is infantilizing her and patronizing her. He may believe in everything she believes, but he believes it's cute. And I just I want to punch him in the face. Yeah, I wrote, I kind of hate Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> <laughs> you have some negative associations. I've hated him and everything he's been in so far that we've done. <laughs> When they're in the office again. Alice is me. Yeah. Alice is me because they, Alice has a new desk. I thought of you instantly. But it's not a new desk. No. This, this was Susan B. Anthony's desk. And she's le- she's got her hands on it and she's leaned over it and her mouth is wide open. She's got this grin. This was Susan B. Anthony's <laughs> desk. Big mood. It's haunted. <laughs> and Lucy's looking at her like, you're a freak. <laughs> Ask her how we'll get the amendment on the floor. What does she say? She says, just do it. This is my favorite scene. It's parade time, folks. Oh, yeah, we're at the NASA parade. We've gotten to March 3rd, 1913. Everything's decked out in purple, yellow, and white because those are Nasa's colors. Mm-hmm. Inez is dressed as, like you said, like this Valkyrie goddess, and she's riding a horse. And she's leading the parade, bitches. Carrie Katz is in the back of an automobile yeah. drinking from a flask. And Anna Howard Shaw is like, nah, nah, nah. This parade is showcasing many different types of women. This parade is showcasing educated women, working women, service women, minority women, but mostly white women. Alice and Lucy have their graduation robes on because they have doctorates. Yeah. We, we don't talk about that enough. They're very educated women. This is where Ida Wells Barnett, remember? Found oh, yeah. Her. Ida's standing on the line of the parade, and she just, like, walks into the parade with everybody else. She doesn't ask anybody, and I just love her for it. Yeah. She is assuming her right to march with these white women. And they're just like, okay. I, I mean, I mean, What are you going to do? Tell her to get out? Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. This is also about the time it starts to get really ugly. Yeah. The disintegration of this parade is kind of hard to watch. The men are booing them, throwing food and liquor bottles. Yeah. Telling them to go home to their mothers. And the police are not at all concerned for their safety. And these men begin to assault these women. It's, It's horrible. They begin to pull them off the street. Like, these women are being attacked. It's turning into a full-blown riot. And the D.C. police are just, like, trying to get out. 
Yeah, no, they could not care less. They were like, we can't control this. They brought this upon themselves. Oh. But the first thing in the morning, the angels are knocking on Carrie Cat's door to tell them all about the publicity they got. <laughs> They're like, we've got press. We made the front page, yo. A hundred people in the hospital. You call that lucky, Miss Paul? Uh, she means the extra publicity. The police were negligent. The Post is calling for an investigation. Wilson's a gentleman from the South. I don't see how he can deny a delegation of women, especially when they were practically molested at his doorstep. Alice is ready to ask for an audience with Wilson. Before the bruises fade. (laughs) And before he speaks to Congress. Exactly. To which Carrie is like, really, bitch? Because Carrie doesn't believe in a federal amendment. She believes that it's just going to get vetoed anyway. All of that money and all those resources will have gone to, you know, a fool's errand. And Alice is like, Carrie, the whole country is watching. Yeah. Let's do this now. Enter the president-elect Woodrow Wilson, played by one of the greatest silver screen pricks of all time, Bob Gunton. Yeah. Go ahead. Name a single film where he's not playing the guy you wanted to punch in the face. Go ahead. I dare you. I forgot to mention, he's the warden. Yes. In Shawshank Redemption. And he's that horrible dean from Patch Adams that wanted to kick Robin Williams out of college. They're in the Oval Office. Wilson is giving the NASA ladies a very condescending speech about how because he doesn't know anything about suffrage, he can't speak to Congress about it. This is the first time the issue of suffrage has been brought to my attention. Well, we hope that you'll support the issue when you're addressed to Congress, Mr. President. As I promised in my election campaign, Congress will focus on currency revision and tariff reform. These are issues which affect all Americans and, of course, must take priority over special interests. And he's like, you're going to have to give me time to educate myself. Yeah, like, I'll get right around to that. We've only got, like, the Kaiser to worry about right now. Yeah, and he's like, well, I'm going to focus on financial stuff, so... (laughs) You guys, like, do your thing, and we'll see if anything sticks. Montage time. We're going lobbying, ladies. Yeah, we're getting a lesson in lobbying. Instructions for lobbyists. Before you visit a congressman, look him up in our card index. What bills has he supported in the past? What's his suffrage record? Learn the names of his children. The angels are going door to door, talking to lawmakers about the vote, and there's a montage of all these men telling them to get out of their face. Yeah. Guys. There's this great bit. Because, like, you know, they keep, the shots keep going. They open the door on their faces, and they're like, no, bye. <laughs> and, like, I just love the one where it opens on Doris and Ruja making out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? They were just like, you know, they, that is when they said, fuck it. We've had way too many doors slammed in our face today. Let's just be making out when this one opens the door. <laughs> I love it. Fuck you. So then they decide, you know what? We're not getting enough of our own print time. Let's make our own print. So they start The Suffragist, which is a what the uh, government is calling propaganda newsletter. It's an unauthorized newsletter. Yes. They're using it to promote an unauthorized fundraiser. Yes. Carrie Cat is not happy about this. They're going to piss off NASA. Oh, my God. This is where the schism begins to take form. Alice Paul's new unauthorized fundraising committee. She's calling it the Congressional Union. See who's on the advisory board? Not without my specs. Phoebe Hartz. Helen Keller. Harriet Blatch. She's handpicked our best fundraisers. Because Carrie's mad that that money won't go to her state-by-state campaign. Exactly. And because... And she's being petty. Yeah. Even though they told them they could have their own operation. And, and, and Alice is telling them in The Suffragist 
to boycott Wilson in the next election. Oh, yeah. And Carrie Cat does not like that at all. She's like, do you know how long <laughs> I have worked to build a relationship with the Democratic Party? And now you're just going to tear it down in one fell swoop? <laughs> no. So Alice goes to see Ben Wiseman. Fuck. Again, to see if she can get her, um, see if she can get that meeting with his editor. And it's a very pro-democratic newspaper. So, of course, the first answer is no. I know why you're here. The star wouldn't print some tirade from your propaganda sheet. Let me grease the doors for you here at the Post. The suffragist is not propaganda. It reports on suffrage news. And it's not a tirade. It's an editorial. This paper supports the Democrats. Mr. Clayberg isn't going to hand you editorial space. You want ink? Buy a pen. Not only is he irrelevant, but I really disagree with the fact that they're trying to imply that she needs him. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Not because she don't need no man, but because Alice Paul was a very accomplished publicist. She was very good at getting the word out. Literally. We'll, yeah. We'll come back to that later. Yes. She she had her own ways. Emily comes into headquarters to make a donation. Yes. Dear Mrs. Layton. And and Alice puts her to work instead. Like she just walks by. She's standing in the foyer of this headquarters. <laughs> And she just walks by her and she's like, hey, will you type this up and hands her this paper? And she's like, oh, I'm just here to make a contribution. And she's like, okay, then typed. You got fingers, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) And so she gives it to her. Alice upsets Mrs. Layton. Oh, well, yeah, Alice has a lot going on, to be fair to Alice. and Because she's like, we need volunteers for the amendment lobby. And she was like, "Uh, I'm Senator Layton's wife. He doesn't approve. If everyone approved, there'd be no point to it, would there? Well, I love my husband. I see no reason to publicly embarrass him. Women like you are worse than anti-suffragists. They perpetuate the lie every day at breakfast. Alice is salty because she believes that women like Emily, who are well-kept and domestic, are actively contributing to the problem that allows sexism and lack of equality to exist in this country. She's like, I beg your pardon. Now we're fighting over money. $25,343.88 is a very impressive total. Why hasn't any of that money been forwarded to the National Treasury? It was collected by the Congressional Union. The union was created to fund the Congressional Committee's efforts to lobby Washington for a federal amendment. We're not budgeted by the National Treasury. Carrie wants to suspend the NASA Congressional Committee. Yeah, Carrie Chapman Crabb can't stand that (laughs) the $25,000... That the Congressional Union was able to raise was not forwarded to the National Treasury. So she's going to investigate how they're spending their money. Yeah, you are literally putting every stop in this, Carrie. What the hell is your problem? So we've spent the first 45 minutes of this movie trying to get along with NASA. And now Lucy is proposing that they split with NASA. Schism! Because they're not getting the support they need for an amendment. Like when VFD split into fire starters and fire preventers. Wow, what a random... (laughs) What a random reference. Sorry. No, you're good. I've been rereading them. It's been a joy. <laughs> Alice and the Angels announced the creation of the National Women's Party. And WP, baby. The National Women's Party is composed entirely of women and does not align itself officially or unofficially with any existing political party. We are a single platform party dedicated to the passage of the following constitutional amendment. The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. 
And Ross, what is their first stunt as a group? They wreck Wilson so too, right? Mm-hmm. So at Wilson's first State of the Union, they like throw this banner over the mezzanine. And it says, Mr. President, what will you do for suffrage? Yes. It's great. I know. Carrie is vehemently denying any association with the National Women's Party. Yeah, she's like, she's like I don't know her gif. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know her. <laughs> Can we skip the implied masturbation montage? Okay, I don't know what this thing, I don't know what it is about this movie and Hillary Swank in the tub, but it happens like three times. It this goes movie, on for far too long. This movie just wants to get Hillary Swank in the tub. In my notes, I have goddammit, HBO. Yeah, like, she's like in the tub, jacking off, thinking about Patrick Dempsey, and I'm like, do we really need this? We absolutely do not. Like, Let's talk about the vote. Go back to the politics. Let's masturbate to the vote. (laughs) Let's let's not masturbate to Patrick Dempsey. Jerk off the vote. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry, Mom. Jerk off the vote. Mom, I'm, I'm so, so sorry, sorry, suffragists. I'm so sorry. Yes, we are. We're being. We're being crass. Oh my god. Oh god. Cut to Senator Layton scolding his wife for making sizable donations to the National Women's Party. Oh my god, it's in the paper. Yeah, he's upset about it because now he's officially been connected to a suffragist group. You'll withdraw your membership. They count on my monthly contributions. I've closed your account. You can charge. At the grocers, and the bills will be sent to my office. This is a form of control men have used for centuries. Uh You take away the money, and you hold all of the access hostage, and you control the woman's environment. And it's going to get way worse, folks. Oh, it's going to get so much worse. But we'll get to that. All right, everybody. Family meeting. Gather around. We have to talk about something. Inez Milholland dies. I know I spoiled it earlier, but now we're actually to the sad part. National Women's Party decides they're going on you know, tour. They're going to go around the country and lobby for the congressional amendment in the states. And they're going to send Inez to California. Of course. And she's not feeling great about it. She's not well. She is really not. What is she? What she is has she? pernicious anemia. Okay. They kind of made it look like tuberculosis. And I was like, what is going on here? She has pernicious anemia. She's coughing up blood. She's sweating. She's exhausted. She's working too hard. And she tells Alice, like at the last second, like in the train station... I can't go to California. You have to find someone else. There is no one else. You're the woman on the horse. You can make or break a rally. Alice, I can't tell you. I'm sorry. I'm exhausted. And Alice is like, what? (laughs) It's just a cold, right? Get back in the game, slugger. Alice was really determined, and I think she didn't always think about the consequences of her actions. Exactly. She was a fabulous leader, and we owe her a lot, but just I don't think she always thought it through. So, yeah, Inez is like, how could I ever say no to you? And gets on the train. And she was never very public about her many health problems. And when she died, everybody was kind of shocked. She collapsed at an event. Is that true? Yes, she collapsed in front of a crowd of people? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's horrible. Oh, and my goodness. she died later on. Oh, that's so sad. And... Rest in peach. This understandably fucks up Alice. Oh, like, she she completely withdraws from the movement. She's going to take that on her back entirely. She moves home, live with her mother. She won't answer anyone's calls. And, like, literally, it really puts a big hole in the movement. Lucy has to come find her out on the farm. Yeah, Lucy has to come out there and be like... Hey, you've had a little while to regroup. (laughs) Let's get back on the horse with Inez. Nobody ever made Inez Milholland do anything in her life. She couldn't say no to me. Don't you read the Ladies Home Journal? 
Alice Paul is relentless. Do it for suffrage. Do it for suffrage. That's what we need to hear. We'll get a parrot. Don't use her as an excuse. She would hate that. Alice was so not prepared for this. She She's always prepared, right? Mm-hmm. And But she was not prepared for someone to actually die for this. Lucy tries to remind her of all their wild days in England, hiding in closets so they could piss in parliamentary members' boots. Yes. And that's what she says. She's like, we get up, we piss in the boot, you know, and like... And we get back out the door. Yeah. You know? And th- now we get the coin flip again. Yes. Because Lucy says, all right, heads, we milk cows, tails... We find Wilson's boots. <laughs> yes. I love it. Cut to January 1917. Also, Wilson gets reelected. Oh, yeah. Don't, 1916 gets reelected. The National Women's Party is stationing sentinels outside the White House. This is where we get the silent sentinels. From dawn until dusk, every day until the president amends the Constitution to give women the right to vote. Guys, this is like my favorite protest in all of history because they are literally standing in front of the White House with banners that, quote, the president. It's great. Yeah. And it's things like, you know, how he's going to fight for democracy. And he's going to defend the rights of others. Yes. You know, because we're working on a war campaign here. We're, 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 look, we're, we're playing footsie with the Kaiser Mm -hmm. about entering World War One. He's ready to defend the rights of other people across the sea, but he's ignoring these women who are standing outside his house day after day after day. It's amazing. Carrie's mad about all this. She calls it the greatest obstacle to women's suffrage. Yeah, she is so appalled. She's like, I can't believe they're doing this. I don't align with them. I like the president. I realize that this is history. This is probably some of the way it happened. I just don't like that they chose to focus on this intra-female conflict because that's... I mean, or, it, or it was is, there. Is that a commentary, though, that women spend a lot of time fighting with each other? Of course. And not being more united. Of course. I, I Maybe that was the commentary. Maybe. And, and I mean, <laughs> it's that way with any disenfranchised group. True. The lawman can't find a way to get them to leave. Like, there's nothing they can call them on because exactly. they're I, literally doing nothing illegal. I love, the su- I love the suggestion of trespassing. And the guy goes, on public property? Yeah. And I'm like, you stupid ass. Everything's about to get crazy, though, because the United States is getting ready to enter the First World War. And the angels are pouring over the newspaper at breakfast, talking about how this affects the movement. The way Mabel sees it, the protests are over because they can't pick it a wartime president. It's not against the law, but it, you're not going to look good for it. Yeah. This is my country. And if our soldiers need bandages, I'm rolling bandages. Roll them on the picket line. Look, we kicked ourselves when we dropped the cause during a civil war. And what happened? Congress gave Negro men the vote and told yes. them to wait their turn, right? And we're still waiting. Alice doesn't want to push anything because there's going to be consequences. Now she's being cautious. And so this is also where Lucy says the line that will eventually become the basis for Wilson caving on this issue. I'm not saying that we ignore the war. I'm saying that we saddle up and fight it. He can't fight for democracy abroad and deny it here at home. He can't. And Wilson is a using the hell out of this war mm-hmm. to be like, oh, I'm so humble. You can't touch me. <laughs> oh I'm protecting democracy around the world. And all these women are literally on his doorstep and they're like, yo, still can't vote. <laughs> still can't vote. 
I got hit in the head for looking at the polling station. It's not funny, but like... <laughs> like, seriously. No. The hypocrisy of the Wilson administration bleeding onto Pennsylvania Avenue. So, as expected, the reaction to their continued picketing is not warm. Um, some, some sailors kind of take offense. A lot of men taking offense at their, uh, for them not actively supporting the president. Lucy, Doris, and Ruja are all arrested on the picket line after it turns into a riot. And in order to hold them in jail, they charge them with obstructing traffic. All of them go before a judge and they repeat the same things over and over. And there's this awesome editing effect where they overlay all of them speaking. These arrests are purely political. The charge of obstructing traffic is political subterfuge. We know, we know and I believe the court knows, that President Wilson and his administration are responsible for our being. We are not guilty of any offense. We are not continuing to plead for the political liberty of American women. And oh my God, when they say you stand in judgment of 10 of us today, yeah, there will be 60 tomorrow. Yeah, like they keep threatening because like that's how they strategize this. They said, okay, we send so many women that day. They take them away, we'll double it. It is on. Yeah. The judge tells him, you can all pay a $10 fine or you can spend 60 days in the workhouse. To pay the fine would be admitting guilt. We haven't broken the law. Not one dollar. 60 days in Aquaquan. Dear God, how do you say this? Aquaquan. I, I wrote Aquaqua. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know that's not right. So now everyone's in full disaster mode because the country has officially taken political prisoners. There's literally no other way to characterize this. And I love that Emily is here at headquarters. She has so much to lose by being a part of this. Like, I mean, all of these women have things to lose, but I love that Emily has so much to lose and she's still a part of this. Yeah. Also, where does her husband think she is? Exactly. Like, like she doesn't have the children with her. Like, or, or does she? She does. She's taking the kids to the trials. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she takes the girls with her to the trials of these women. And has them at the headquarters when she's helping out. And Alice, you know, kind of sees Emily doing that and then decides, you know, no more mothers on the picket line. You yeah, know, yeah. Well, because we could really ruin their lives. Exactly. Ben walks in during all the chaos. He and Alice make eye contact. They don't speak. He just gets to work. And I think after this point, Ben becomes narratively irrelevant. I yeah. Don't, I really don't. I think we see Ben one other time. Yeah. And it's like they got tired of writing about him and they just quit. Yeah. So which I did. <laughs> no, I, mean, you I got tired of watching him. <laughs> We see a series of rough sequences from Akaquan. They are dramatizing what have been referred to as the Knights of Terror. Yeah. In which these women were being defiant against their jailers. We are not guilty of any crime. We're political prisoners. Now, I want these women fed and given pen and paper to write to their families. And we want our own clothes back. Now. Now, you bed down. What are you, what are you doing? And they just start beating them. Yeah. Because Lucy becomes insubordinate physically. They force them back to the cell block. Yeah, and they chain her to the top of her cell. With her arms crossed because she's punching the guards. They put everybody else back in their cells. They don't let her down. Yeah. They leave her hanging there. And all of the other women cross their wrists over their heads Mm -hmm. in solidarity. Yeah. It's amazing. The ability of women to empower and stand in solidarity with one another is a goddamn superpower. 
So Emily gets up one morning, can't find the girls. Mm-hmm. Finds Thomas eating. And he's like, where are the girls? And he said, I took them to my mother's. They're going to stay with her for a little while. Oh, my God. Uh... People saw you and Jenny at the suffrage trial. I don't know what kind of mother takes an 11-year-old to a district courthouse. Did you give her a look at the jail, too? I'll go and get them after breakfast. No, you won't. You leave them be. I don't know a judge in this district who would give you custody right now. This happened to a lot of suffragettes. Their husbands would get pissed because they would get pissed on because their wives were being uppity and they would get ostracized and they would get criticized and their tiny little manhoods can't take it. So they would take their children away from them. There were many instances in where a middle class father, their wife would either, either while they were in jail or while they're out working, they will either take their child to live somewhere else or... They will get their all of their parental rights taken away from them. There were instances in where, you know, a woman would go to jail and the father would renounce his own parental rights because he wasn't going to raise the child by himself it, without a mother. Like, like, I don't understand how you could do that to your own child. Just give them up because their mother is in jail. Just abandon your child. It's absolutely abhorrent. And it, it's important to know because control is not always about violence. You know, he, he did this to her again. He did this to her with the financials, too. Yeah. They're controlling everything that you care about and that you need to survive so that they can trap you in subservience. She's like, you're not going to take my children away from me. Molly Parker nails this. And what will your judge say? That this is your house, your house and your children. What am I to you, Tom? What am I then in your house, chattel? This is how you punish me? I'm their mother. They are not your children to take. Meanwhile, Alice can't find her hat. Alice is mad. She's snapping at Mabel. She can't find her hat. <laughs> and I'm like, don't snap at Mabel. <laughs> May I, l- listen. Mabel has worked day and night to coordinate <laughs> these prisoners for you. But Mabel's like, well, where were you when you took it off? And Alice is like, Jesus Christ, Mabel, if I knew that, I knew where the hat was. Don't snap at Mabel. As a person who loses things frequently, big mood. According, oh, by the way, this is where Mabel's talking about some additional press they've received. Mm-hmm. Home Defense League revoked Maud Younger's permit to speak in Nashville. According to Senator Walsh, we're called the Iron-Jawed Angels. Is that supposed to be an insult? It was supposed to be an insult. They said the title of the movie. They said it. They said it. They said the title of the movie in the movie. And I love the delivery of it. She's just, it's such a throwaway. (laughs) We're supposed to be called Iron-Jawed Angels. Is that supposed to be insulting? (laughs) Seriously, where is my all-ladies metal band called Iron-Jawed Angels? Grunge women of the U.S. mobilize. (laughs) We need that. So, once again, Alice is not listening to the people around her because she's going to go protest on the picket line. Despite the fact that Mabel specifically promised Lucy that she would not let her do that. I believe the might of America is the sincere love of its people for the freedom of mankind. Woodrow Wilson, March 6, 1915. 
they were standing in front of the White House burning pages, quotes from Wilson. Yeah. Just burning it in a trash barrel. And it's the same thing. It turns into a riot. They arrest Emily and Alice and some of the other suffragettes. These women get blatantly attacked by their own service members. It's horrible. Like, imagine if some soldiers, some U.S. soldiers just came up to you in the street and just started attacking you. They haul Alice and Emily into Occoquan. Did I say it right that time? Yes. Okay. They, they haul them into Aquaquan. Emily refuses all bail. She turns her attorney away, and she gives her husband a big n- legal middle finger. And Mrs. Layton made it very clear I wasn't her attorney, and she instructed the court not to accept bail or fees on her behalf, and she gave a statement to a reporter. She said that in prison or out, American women are not free. Yeah, she's because like, fuck you. I'm staying here. Alice starts shit as soon as she gets to Occoquan. She hasn't been there 10 seconds. Like, they walk in because they have all of the women doing sewing labor. It's an ungodly temperature. And she, and Alice, like, is standing there at her station, and she turns around to Lady Warden, and she goes, It's warm in here. Can we open a window? Get to work. I'm only asking that you open a window. She ignores her a little too long and picks up her shoe and throws it through the window. That's better, isn't it? Better in solitary. It's so boss. And then Lady Warden, take her to solitary. (laughs) So she starts a hunger strike. Alice gets a psyche eval. Oh yeah, she's being interviewed by this doctor. Yeah, and this this is a really great scene. She is out of it. She's not she's not been eating at all. She, you know, the psychiatrist is like, you know, well, doesn't seem very effective to do a hunger strike. And she and that's where she explains that it's from the days of the Irish famine where you'd starve yourself on someone's doorstep until retribution is had. The doc asks her to explain her cause, t- to explain herself. Yeah. And this quote is everything. You want a place in the trades and professions where you can earn your bread. So do I. He wants a means of self-expression. Some way of satisfying your own personal ambitions. Want a voice in the government under which you live. So do I. What is there to explain? And this is like the, we're two sides of the same coin thing. You want freedom of expression, so do I. You want to vote, so do I. Hillary Swank has some real steel in her acting bones Mm -hmm. that allow her to portray these incredibly vulnerable characters with this fiery resolve that I find kind of rare. Yes. I I also notice it in um, Sarah Paulson. Mm -hmm. I would be afraid of Alice Paul. I know. Because she will die before she lets this whole thing go away. Also, Wilson's getting briefings? Oh, yeah. Wilson's getting briefings on these women in Occoquan. All these statesmen sitting around like, how do you solve a problem like Alice Paul? The psychiatrist goes to Wilson and Wilson's like, what's the dealio? And he's like, she is set to die for what she believes in. I'm not a doc, but that sure sounds unhealthy to me. Give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry, an American hero. Apples and oranges. In oranges and women, courage is often mistaken for insanity. And Wilson blows him off yet again. Okay, this scene takes me through such a range of emotions. Because Alice isn't eating, the government doesn't want a martyr on their hands, so they bring her down to the mess hall during mealtime, and they plop her down, 
They're going to try and make her eat. And all of her angels are sitting around her, the sentinels, and they all just simultaneously push their plates away. Hunger strike. It goes dead quiet. And Ruja starts singing the old gospel tune, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? My favorite. I was standing by my window on a cold and cloudy day. Quiet! When I saw that hearse come rolling for to carry my mother away. And then they all start singing it. And nobody can be kept quiet. So Lady Warden decides, we're gonna punish Alice. Because she's their catalyst. Yeah. She's what's driving this whole thing. She's an inspiration to these women. Lucy calls her Mama Duck earlier Uh, in the film. Your Mama Duck, if you fall, we all go, you know? So they're gonna make an example out of her. Okay, folks. Trigger warning. We're gonna try I'm gonna try and be quick with this. It's pretty horrific, and it's kinda hard to watch. What is about to happen next? is truly horrible. And this happened a lot, actually. And it kind of chills me to the bone because it's so awful. With the background of all the ladies singing Will the Circle Be Unbroken, there's this rough sequence where where they are dragging her into this room. And there's this chair in the middle of the room. And they force her into it. They tie her down. They bring up this rusty... Speculum. They put it into her mouth. She sees them pouring eggs and milk into this pan, and they're mixing it together. And she knows what's about to happen. They put this rusty speculum in her mouth. And then they take a tube, and they force it down her throat. It's awful. And then they pour the egg and milk mixture into the tube. They're force-feeding her. It's horrible. And... And she is coughing and tearing and wide-eyed, and it's it's just it's rough. happened a lot. It happened to a lot of women. And this was kind of the final straw. Oh, yeah. For a lot of people, because somehow, some way, it obviously wasn't actually through Emily because Emily's fictional, but they use the Leightons as the vehicle for this. Senator Leighton comes to see Emily in the prison. And when she first appears to him, you know, he looks at the jailer and he's like, 
she's ill. Oh, yeah. She hasn't been eating. Has she seen a doctor? And he's like, your wife hasn't been eating. Maybe you can convince her. And he's here because he doesn't know what to do with they kids. Exactly. The girls are asking about you. What am I supposed to do? Why aren't you thinking of them? Yeah. If Rebecca can't sleep, just sit beside her and pat her head. Sometimes I do that. Emily. They are the only reason I am here. I love this woman's performance. It's so raw and fraught with emotions that lots of women go through because she says, they're the only reason I'm here. Mm -hmm. It is incumbent upon us as women to create a better world for our daughters, our our sons and our daughters. Like, it's just got to be a better world. Mm -hmm. And she is sacrificing a lot for that. And then he apologizes to her. And I'm just like, okay, but like, mm, if you had just been a fucking human being to begin with. Carrie Cat is still on her old shit and she has the nerve to look surprised. Oh, yeah. She's meeting with Wilson again and he still won't support a federal amendment. Yeah. Because now she's jumped onto that side of the line. Yeah. She has seen the horrors that are happening and she's like, wow, Alice is going hard. I'm going to respect. I'm going to go to Wilson. I'm going to get this done. New York has voted to enfranchise women. Carrie. I've never pressed you for a federal amendment, Mr. President. We're at war. Then call it a war measure. Congress will never pass it. If you support it, they will. You've been very patient, I know. Be patient a little longer. Carrie's furious. Yeah, I love Carrie storming out. I love of it. Of the Oval Office. Just like, oh, I'll show this man. I went, uh-oh, he pissed off Carrie Chapman Cat. <laughs> <laughs> you know what happens when Carrie Chapman Cat gets pissed off? So the senator's on the train going home without his wife. Yeah. And he goes into his pocket and he pulls out this slip of paper. Notes from the prisoners. Emily slipped it to him. While they hugged. Yeah, when she kissed him goodbye, she slipped him in his pocket. And I love her. He's got all this testimony from all these prisoners. I was put in a straitjacket and taken to the psychopathic ward. I could not see my family or friends. Counsel was denied me. I saw no other prisoners and heard nothing of them. I could see no papers. Today I was force-fed for the third time. I refused to open my mouth. And, you know, Tom, you redeemed yourself a little bit here. Because Senator Layton gives the notes to the press. She got the word out. Exactly. And I love Carrie Cat re-emerging in the Oval Office. She literally... Handing them a headline and being like... I'll be blunt, may I? The foreign press will pick this up. You can tell the president that he can look like a damn fool or he can deal me in. Now. I think that those horrors really opened up a lot of people's eyes, Mm -hmm. at least publicly. And from then on out, the suffragists got way more traction than they ever had before. And so Wilson puts on his human mask (laughs) and decides, okay, my popularity is falling Let's do this. I'm going to support votes for women. (laughs) And he's giving this speech to a joint session of Congress. The task of woman lies at the very heart of the war. And I know how much stronger that heart will beat if you do this just thing and show our women that you trust them as much as you, in fact, depend on them. 
That is pretty powerful coming from such a wretched man. It is. That it... he had the resolve to bite his lip and just fucking do it. Well, they bent his thumb back. What was he supposed to do? He's Not... supposed to be a human being. Yeah, he was supposed to say uncle and, you know, get with it. We are getting flashes of everybody but Alice up until the last moment. Because they pull Alice out of jail. They, they release all the suffragists. And they're all... In the gallery, while Wilson is giving his speech, and Alice is obviously having a little trouble standing mm-hmm. because she's she's still very weak from she's malnourished. her weeks of abuse at Occoquan. Carrie Cat can see that she's struggling to stand, so Carrie Cat gets up mm-hmm. and stands in the aisle and makes a seat for Alice. It's wonderful. It's just a very you know welcome to the club moment. There's this great moment where they make eye contact, and I wonder if Carrie knows that she kind of got to take Alice's victory lap. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it was Alice's activism that ultimately tipped this, assuming that this is exactly how it happened. Kind of. Carrie was the one that stuck it in Wilson's face and was like, all right, time to go. Yeah. But the fight's not over because 36 states have to ratify this, right? Before exactly. It be- before it becomes law. Mm-hmm. And we're on the Senate floor and they're asking the senators yay or nay. And a senator gets a telegram from his mother Yeah. on the Senate floor. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, if you don't vote for this, we're going to have issues. We're going to have familial issues. Mr. Burr. But that's the last vote they needed. The ending just makes me bawl. I know. Like, Alice and Lucy look much better than they did. And, you know, Alice gets the telephone call. It comes through that the amendment passed. (laughs) And she fakes them out. Yes. She, like, doesn't smile immediately. Uh Uh-huh. And then she does, and the house just erupts in squeals. Mm-hmm. Oh, we better go outside. There'll be reporters here in a minute. How's my hair? Red. Good. And then they go outside, and from the balcony of this house, Emily accompanied by lots of other ladies are just throwing these gold stars in the air. And it's all slow motion. Yeah. There's this schmaltzy track playing underneath it. laughing everybody's really enjoying their win and we get some on-screen text on august 26 1920 the 19th amendment giving women the right to vote became a constitutional law the u.s court of appeals declared the arrests of all 218 suffragists unconstitutional alice paul fought for women's rights until she died in 1977 she was 92 that's amazing to me mm-hmm. that she never lost her fervor I think this movie is, I mean, even for all of its annoying points, like the whole Ben storyline and the implied masturbation scene and, you know, some historical inaccuracies, I think barring all of that, it's very important because we live in comparatively privileged times and it's important to educate ourselves about the people who walked so we could run. 
It's not a perfect story, but it is history, you know? I like that this movie didn't shy away from the fact that the white suffragists let the suffragists of color down in many ways. The movie didn't necessarily give it that attention that it needed, which is also a common theme. You know, there's no intersectionality, no extra care for disenfranchised groups. And we need to do better about that. I think it's very interesting to understand that it was this bad. Yeah. And that women are the backbone of America and always have been. Why, thank you. And the fact that we're still dealing with some of these issues is abhorrent. It is. <laughs> the pay gap, whether you want to believe it or not, it exists. People who are critical of women's movements, people are always afraid that you're going to take something from them. I agree. If you get more of something. Yeah. I think that this story really shows the resolve that, when you think about it, a relatively small group of women had. What did Carrie say at one point? They were only like 10% of all suffragists, the National Women's Party. Uh Yeah, we've come a long way, but there's there's, there's a long way to go. Mm -hmm. And you know what? There might always be a long way to go. Yeah. But... You, you can't stop going. No, absolutely not. You know, and I think that's what this movie teaches us first and foremost is that if you want something to happen, you can't quit you until can, it happens. You can't mince words. No, you, ma- if you really want something to affect change, you have to go with it until you can't. Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Lucretia Mott, Carrie Chapman Cat. Anna Howard Shaw, Alice Paul, Lucy Burns, Doris Stevens, you know, say their names. They're so important to women's everyday life today. It's one of the most enduring legacies of any group of people in the United States. And you're right. We should thank them every day for making the world a better place. So yeah, guys, happy Women's Month. Go out, tell your mother you love her, tell your sister you love her, tell your wife you love her, tell your daughter you love her, and support her. But this month we're going to be doing women-centric movies. Yes, we are. It will be a whole-ass Women's Month. We are doing films that focus heavily on women's issues and women's experiences. Let's see. So which lady's picture are we going to do next? We're going to be doing... Penny Marshall. You know how we love the Marshalls. <laughs> you know, Penny, Gary's sister. They were in Hocus Pocus together. Aren't you broads a little old to be trick-or-treating? That lady, Penny Marshall. <laughs> we're doing Penny Marshall's classic. <laughs> it is a classic. A League of Their Own. Starring- There's no crying! There's no crying in baseball! Tom Hanks and Rosie, they're yeah, back. We got Tom Hanks back. We got Rosie back. Got Madonna. I forget that Madonna's in this movie. Gina Davis, Lori Petty, who you might know as Lolly from Orange is the New Black. Oh, it's going to be grand. It's going to be grand. So look out for that. Um, where can they find us on Twitter? At Kick and Stream. K I C K N S T R E A M. And you can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast. With an and, not an ampersand. At gmail.com. Again, happy Women's Month, everybody. Yes. We hope you're going to be here with us for the long run. And mom, (laughs) 
I love you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for being the strong, generous, hardworking woman that you are. Because it has made us into the, you know, perfect little angels <laughs> that we are. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Because yes. we're perfect. <laughs> We have no faults. No faults whatsoever. <laughs> More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, love, love you, Mom. Mom. Gothic news, gothic news, gothic news, gothic news.